I want to speak with you today about engage. Engage. Now, it's a, <clears throat> when I was thinking of the term and putting it together with the message, there was always this back of my mind thinking, where is this used, engage? It seemed like you hear that a lot. Well, if you are a Star Trek person, what is Picard or what do them guys say? Engage. And the thing shoots off, you know, it takes off into outer space or wherever. So it's kind of that engage that we have to, um, well, if you uh, uh, like cars, you uh, put the, you have the engine running, and you can floor the engine and make it rev, but until you take it out of park and put it in drive, which is to engage the engine to the drive wheels so that your car will go ahead. So engage, or if you're using a clutch, <laughs> you put it in first gear and put down on the gas a little and let out of the clutch, and you are engaging the engine and the wheels, and you begin to take motion. Well, if you don't engage, things just kind of run. Now, I was thinking of the aspect of our heart, our mind, and our actions. How do we engage? <laughs> you know, do you ever hear people talk without thinking? <laughs> You never heard that one, okay. So, yeah, you know, they're just talking. It's like, if you really thought, I don't think you would be saying that. But we have this idea, or and the other side of that is, <laughs> we're more familiar with it kind of in a negative term. What's gotten into you? <laughs> what does that mean? That you are talking about something that you shouldn't be doing that, and what's gotten into you that you would do that? Maybe that's just an old expression that, that I remember. Or um, the devil made me do it. The engagement that we are involved in is not my fault. <laughs> the devil made me do it, and therefore it's not my fault, or he or she or our friends or whatever. We engage in an activity that we are not supposed to do. So how do we make that a positive? How do we make that how that God wants to work in our life? How do we look at our lives and say that God wants to engage our thinking, our heart, and our actions? He wants all of them to come together so that we are going in a particular direction with our faith and um, taking our abilities to a, a, a different level, going to college. Uh, most of what you learn in college you'll never use. <laughs> Sorry to say but you have to have it. And I always was uh, so upset with, not upset, but like the first two years of college sometimes are just a waste because they're the general requirements that you have to take in order to take the rest of them. So I guess you have to pre-qualify to qualify for being able to take the test and being able to take the courses that you want to do until you become specialized. Now, um, I was thinking of how many changes go on in a person's life. I think it was recent, well, it was a couple of years ago, I heard this statistic that someone graduating from college, this was maybe 10, 15 years ago, someone graduating from college will change jobs 17 times in their career. 17 times from the time they're 21 to the time they retire, they will have changed positions 17 times. Now, when I was younger, <laughs> my dad, he worked in the mines for 40 years. You know, you worked in the steel mill for 
30 years, 40 years. You got a job, you stayed with it, and you wrote it out. You put up, you um, developed a pension, you, re, you know, got into retirement plans, and you stayed with it. And you think about engage. What engages us in our daily life, and how much does it change from a perspective of not only knowing what's in our heart, but knowing in our mind and taking us to an action, to an activity. Well, one of the other aspects is uh, developing a pride in what we do. Sometimes, well, pride has a couple of different, different definitions. One of them is pride, a feeling that you respect yourself and deserve to be respected by other people. That's a good thing. That's a good pride. A pride that you respect yourself. If you don't respect yourself, why do you expect someone else to? So you have to have a healthy respect for who you are. You have to respect your decisions. You have to respect your faith. You have to understand that you believe and your beliefs may not be held by other people, but that does not diminish what you believe. That does not diminish who God is and does not diminish what God has promised to fulfill in your life. So we are to have a respect, pride. We are to have a respect for yourself and deserved uh, to be respected by other people. So if people are not respecting you for who you are, you don't have to convince them. You just walk away from them. (laughs) Because sometimes people will not see the value in other people. The, the feeling of pride that is often seen in a negative context is a feeling that you are more important or better than other people. I'm better than you. See, that's the, whenever we think of pride, that's often the pride that is put out there. You think you're better than other people. You, don't, you know, pride goeth before destruction, heart, a haughty spirit before a fall. Well, that's what it's talking about here. Uh, This type of pride, not the pride of yourself and of your faith. And the third one is a feeling of happiness that you get when you or someone you know does something good. It's a pride. Mom and dad are prideful. You got it. Got her through college. Yeah, no, high school. (laughs) On her way to college. Oh, oh. (laughs) You know, you know where we went? We went to Jackson's graduation. Our grandson, he graduated from kindergarten. Yes. He had the cap and gown and a diploma. And he was big stuff, you know. He and all of his 13 friends, <laughs> they all were doing their thing and marched up on stage. And they came in with the march, you know, the pomp and circumstance. Well, he marched up and went all, they were, they were perfect, Walked right up in order, got in their seats and did the whole thing, went up forward and, and uh, received their diplomas and graduated from kindergarten. The highlight of the speaker, when they didn't have Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton or, you know, somebody like that as a graduation speaker. Uh, but the main text of the graduation was, all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. Now, when we start thinking about engaging, 
engaging our heart, our mind, and our activity, I thought I'd read to you the book, All That I Learned, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. I'm going to read the book in its entirety this morning. It will take almost 30 seconds. So (laughs) I think we can see ourselves through it. Most of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top. Excuse me. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain. But there is a sand pile at Sunday school. (laughs) So these are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. (laughs) Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. (laughs) Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. (laughs) Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some. And draw and paint and sing and dance. And play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. (laughs) So whenever we think, so what does engaging have to do with this? Engaging is being aware of some very simple processes. Being aware that you are loved. You are forgiven. That God who created this universe is proud of you. He has a very healthy pride of his child, just like each parent has, and even greater more so than a parent has of their child, our Heavenly Father has of us. It is a pride that looks at what has been accomplished and what is yet to come, what is yet to be. You know, uh, as I look at these two individuals graduating, I think of 20 years from now, What will you be? Will it be even close to what your desires are now? Or will it be completely in a different direction? But I know this, what God puts in your heart will take you to a spot, a place, and it's like coming to a a wall or a T in a road. And you needed what is in your mind and in your heart at this moment to reach this place to make another decision. It isn't that what brought us to this place, it isn't what brought us to this place that it's wrong. It was necessary for us to learn what was involved with that to come to this place and there another decision will be made, which will take us in a direction, which will take us to a place in which we may run into another T. And at that point, we'll have to make a right or a left. And we'll know each of the decisions that are made. And whenever we get to the end of our life, we will have seen the hand of God at every intersection. We will have known that God, who knows all things, has each of those intersections. He's already there. (laughs) He's already there at those places in your life. 
The the decisions we're going to make this afternoon, the decisions we're going to make 20 years from now, he's already there. And he knows the decisions we're going to make. And you know what? He doesn't get upset with wrong choices. Because that's what he knows. Sometimes that's what we have to go through and we have to learn in order to arrive at those places. God isn't caught off guard. So what we are engaging in our life is we are transferring what is in our heart to our thoughts and then to our actions. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. You see, whenever we look at our lives and we um, berate ourselves, whenever we look at life and we somehow don't think we're good enough, that transfers from our heart to our head and then our head to our actions. And our actions are, I'm not good enough. (laughs) I saw someone the other day, they were walking down the hall at the hospital and I know them very well. And they were all just kind of going down the hall. And I'm saying, stand up. (laughs) They go, what? I said, stand up. Put your shoulders back. Put your head up. Look where you're going. You're not carrying the world on your shoulders. God carries the world. Let's live a little. (laughs) And when life starts weighing you down, you know that you're 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 trying to carry something that doesn't belong to you. When life is a burden, you are carrying what doesn't belong to you. Life is not a burden. Life is a gift. And the gift that we have is a gift of life, the gift that God has come to share with us. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, The mystery, this mystery, which has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. So here's a secret. A secret that I want you to be able to see inside and out, completely through it. Around it, through it, above it, below it, you can see clear through it. This is the secret. Regardless of your background, the mystery in a nutshell is this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. Christ is in you. What does that mean? Christ is in you. We are not, do you know why God doesn't want us to pass judgment on people? Because when we pass judgment, we close the door to what God wants to teach, help us teach and be and to give. When we pass judgment, we don't want to give because it's a waste of time. But if we recognize it isn't a waste of time, it's a gift of God that he has given to us, so we know that Christ is in us, and when Christ is in us, this is the, that is the substance of your message. We preach Christ, wanting people not to add to the message. So Christ is in you. He is your hope. You're never alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you feel all alone, (laughs) Christ is there. You're not alone. I remember um, 
when my brother and my sister-in-law took me to college, uh, they took me, found me, I got to the, found the dorm, got in the dorm, moved all my stuff into the dorm, and, uh, you know, they told me to go get a soda. When I went and got a soda and come back, they're pulling out in the car, waving at me goodbye. <laughs> they didn't want me to get in the car with them and leave. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because if you really want to know something, when I went to college, if you really want to know, when I went to college, I don't think I'd ever spent a night away from the farm. Imagine that. Because there was always work to do. So when I went there, when I went to college, maybe I'd maybe spent maybe two or three, I don't know, not more than a handful of nights away from home. And so my brother and sister-in-law thought they were doing me a favor by, we're going to abandon him and get out of here so he doesn't get back in the car. Well, and there you are, in a dorm with some strange some strange person across the room you never met before, and his last name was McGee. I guess they just put us together because we're McGee's, <laughs> and I never met him before, and I don't think I ever met him afterwards. You know, we were just two entirely different individuals. But you see, Christ in you, whenever you find yourself in a difficult place, is Christ in you. I will never leave you. Turning all things over to God. God is in charge. God is with you. Your wisdom. <laughs> the wisdom of God is in us. Insight to what is behind the words spoken. So when we're praying for God's wisdom and insight, we're praying that God will help us understand. When you go to school, what does the professor want on his tests? That's going to be the big thing. Okay, when you go to classrooms, what is this professor trying to teach us? Because no matter what they say, sometimes, I didn't, I didn't like some of the professors that they gave you, you know, the first day you went into the classroom, they would give you what they expect of the semester. And I mean, it's endless. Just reams of what this project, this project, this reading. Books you have to read. You have to read this book. You have to read these chapters. You have to read all this. It's like, my goodness, can we do this in one week, one chapter? Can we do this in one semester? I think their clue was, their goal was, let's get as many to drop out as possible so we don't have to grade all their papers. <laughs> you know, let's get as many out of here as possible. Remember that, ladies. Because you'll get in the classroom and as a professor, you think they're there to help you. No, they're there to get you out of the room because they don't want to grade your paper. It isn't that they don't like you. They don't even know you. But Christ in you is your hope, is your strength. You know, Psalm 103. What is not in you? Okay? I, 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 what is not in you? Now, let me talk to you. I'll tell you a story first. There was this professor... End of the school, end of the semester, and the semester. Well, this is this is a true story, and then I have another story. <laughs> okay, the the second one I don't know if it's true or not, but the first one is true because it happened to me. Um, the professor, I liked I liked the psychology class I, whatever, for whatever for whatever reason I liked it, and I, I think I scored pretty good in the classes and stuff. But he lost my test. You know, he lost my final exam. 
And I said, I didn't get a final exam. I was there. I took it because I always sat in the front of the room because I liked the guy. He would stand there and lean on his desk, and the microphone was right up to his mouth, and he would rub his mustache in it. And he'd talk about, well, you know, in this situation. And he would tell us about, when in his, psych, in his, psych, in his uh, counseling, he'd tell us about these stories, and he'd rub his mustache in the mic, you know, and all that stuff. And it was the most boring but most interesting, you know. You heard of, uh, what is it, uh, Pavlo's dog, you know. If you feed this and stimulate it. <laughs> it would take him 20 minutes to tell a story, you know. But there was always something really good to it. And when it came to the end, he lost my, he lost my paper. And I said, well, he said to me, well, what do you want? I said, well, you, you know, you're the professor. You tell me. He says, well, heads an A, tails a B. Oh, uh, I'll give you an A. <laughs> Thank you. I like that one. The other story that's a story that I, I heard about, the um, professor is handing out the final exam. And he's ready to give out the exam, and he says to everybody, uh, I want to thank you for how good you've been. You've been an excellent class. You've done very well. I know that you know the subject. You know it very well. But what I've decided to do is that everybody that would like to get a C for the class, all you need to do is raise your hand, and you can leave, and you get a C. You don't have to take the final exam. Well, you know, some there. Hey, I'll take that. I'll do that. And I got, again, about half of the class raised their hand and wrote their name and gave it to the professor, and they walked out. The professor uh, then starts handing out the final exam, turns it face down. He's going and he's telling the students that he believes that these, that these, these people that are still there, they will be leaders in their community, that they will be people who will not give up on projects and give up on difficulties, that they have what it takes to make a difference in their, in their world and in their careers and what they're going to do. And after they all have the test handed out and he's done speaking to them about how, how much he believes in them and what they're going to do, he says, you can, take the, you can now turn the test over and take it. On the test, it says, congratulations, you have an A. <laughs> And they signed their name. You see, whenever we disbelieve in who we are, we're looking for a way out. But when you believe in what God has called you to and the gifts and the abilities that he has in your life, that these giftings are engaged into your heart, into your mind, and into your actions, that it is the engaging of forgiveness where you will not allow somebody else's opinion of you to make a difference where you're going to go. You will not allow somebody else's opinion of they don't like what you wear, they don't like your hair, they don't like your eyes, they don't like your mustache, they, you know, women who have mustaches, no. If you don't like your mustache, they don't like what you are, they forgive them. Pride 
wrongful pride, a feeling that you are more important or better than other people. I don't have to please them. I have to please the one that's on the inside. If I will please God, I can let these people go. I don't have to belong to a group. I don't have to be friends with certain people. I have to be true to who's in my heart. And when I'm true to the one who is in my heart, it will affect the way that I think. And if my thinking is in order, where I am forgiving, where I am loving, where I respect the values of others, I'll find to myself respecting my own values, respecting what other people say, even if I disagree, and where I am able to become, because where I am at is not where I'm going to end up. This is not the end. Wherever we are at in our lives and in our careers and what we do, this is not the end. We're on a journey, and we've got a long way to go. And we've got a long way to go, and if, if our heart isn't right in forgiveness and love and, and, and graciousness and the things that we learned in kindergarten, share, <laughs> share, share everything, play fair. Well, they don't need to play fair with them. They cheat all the time. We're not talking about them. Play fair. Put things back <laughs> where you found them. Clean up your mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. You see, these are the characteristics, the character of Jesus. What do you think the character of Jesus was? Let's raise a few people from the dead. Everybody here? Anybody dead? Let's go find a dead person. Raise them up. <laughs> you know? Let's go find a blind person. We'll fix them. Jesus would meet people, and you see what stirs the heart. And why would it be that, why would it be that Jesus would just go to Samaria? I must needs go through Samaria. There's a woman there who has been married five times, and she's living with some guy who isn't her husband, and Jesus goes out of his way to go to the well to meet this woman. Why? Because he knows her heart. Her life is not measuring up to what's in her heart. And Jesus knows her heart. He wants to go there and forgive her of her sins. You see, in, Psalm, in the psalm that we were looking at here, if I can find it, I can't find it. Psalm, oh, here it is. Psalm 103. Oh, my soul, bless God, okay? This is, this, we're looking at character. We're looking at attitude. Bless God first. Oh, God. That means you got surprised. <laughs> bless God. Wow, bless God. Thank God. Why? Because he's here. The, the sky, the stars, the birds, the, you know, enjoy what's about us. Oh, my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I will bless his holy name. Then verse 3. He forgives your sin, every one of them. He forgives your sin. He heals your diseases. 
He redeems you from hell. He, he crowns you with love and mercy. He wraps you in goodness. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. You see, God is doing something in us, and it starts in our heart. Then Romans 3, 27, this is, this is what put all this in motion today. What we've learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. This whole message is about that phrase. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. God is doing something marvelous in your life. God is doing something creative. God is awakening dreams and desires that he put inside of you. Christ in me. God is bringing to life you. He's not upset with what you're doing because he's doing something he wants us to respond to. We're thinking he's responding to us. Oh, God's going to be mad at me today. He's just like my dad. <laughs> just like my mother. <laughs> no. God has parents, us as parents beat all, all the way around. Very, very limited in perspective of what, similarities. God continually brings to the forefront a message. Forgiveness, love, restoration. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. And everything that you need for the rest of your life, it's in there. <laughs> Christ in you, it's already in there. Tyler, come here. You're closest. I should have them two come up, huh? They're the ones graduating. Yeah. Um, everything that God wants to do with you for the rest of your life, it's already in there. If I had a baby, I'd bring it up here. <laughs> Everything that God wants to do in your life for the rest of your life is in there. Guess who's back? Chester. <laughs> and everything that happens in your life, God is awakening what he already put in there. And whenever it goes from your heart into this magnificent <laughs> brain we have the ability to remember you know we we can't do this but I, i've seen people they have the ability not just Rhonda. <laughs> i've seen people they have the ability to remember every detail of their life 50 years ago it's all in there god has the ability to take what's in our mind and in our hearts and to put it into action and who knows what you'll become Scientist, pilot, a drywaller. <laughs> now give him a head slap. But you see, 
whatever it is that God wants you to be. It's in there. He'll give you the ability to become. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being close. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Okay, our two graduates. This was for you. <laughs> this is about you. And each of us, too. We all kind of join in there. I never dreamt that when I was going to college and scared to death in that class, in the, in the college dormitory and left there, I never, ever dreamt in my wildest dreams I'd be here, standing in front of people. But God, every intersection along the way, will give you the ability to make choices that will bring you right where you need to be. So don't be afraid of your future. Embrace your present. Know that God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Your failures will not cause God to respond to you. You respond to God's goodness of all the good that he has for you. And we will dispose of and let go of the failures by forgiveness. See, that's why there's forgiveness. To let go of the things that would, that would clog our minds and think that we can't become, God has let go of those. He forgives us. So we are responding to what God does. He forgives, he loves, he encourages, he gives us strength, <laughs> power and love and of a sound mind. Amen. <laughs> Let's all stand. <laughs> What's that? Yes, we have cake downstairs and drink soda. So uh, please go down and have a piece of cake for in honor of and if each of you have $50 to give to the kids, go ahead ahead. <laughs> go ahead ahead. They'll go home happy today, knowing, yes, that was God speaking to them. Father, indeed, we are grateful. Grateful for the love. Grateful for your presence. God, you do not respond to what we do. We respond to what you do. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us and guiding us. Thank you for your presence, your word. Keep us safe. Build that hedge about us, oh God. By your spirit we pray. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen.